I don't think I'm breaking any news here when I say that Notre Dame isn't going into the USC game with a ton of momentum. That being said, it is still a great opportunity for the Irish to bounce back and get a big win. But are they up for the challenge? That's coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to another edition of Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojcik, and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018 and have been covering college football as a producer ever since, first for ESPN and now at Fox Sports. And today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 or more infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. In just a moment here, I'm going to be joined by my good friend Greg Flamung from Irish Sports Daily to preview Notre Dame's big game against their arch-rival USC. Look, it hasn't been a great past week or so, maybe even a little bit more than that for Notre Dame fans, but as I said at the top, this really is a prime opportunity for Notre Dame to play spoiler, knock off their arch-rival, spoil Caleb Williams' Heisman campaign, and really maybe even his career if this ends his national championship hopes. So Notre Dame has a ton to play for in this game. They're under a lot of pressure, but Greg and I cover every aspect of the game on both sides of the ball, what Notre Dame is going to have to do to win, and then at the end, we'll share our prediction. So let's talk to Greg. All right, it's USC week, so I felt it was only right to get another California resident who lives every day of their life in enemy territory on the podcast to talk about Notre Dame's upcoming game against their cross-country rival, and who better than Greg Flamong, who joins me now. And Greg, let's be honest about this situation. Vibes are not particularly <laughs> high among the fan, ra- among the fan yeah. base right now, but the Irish have a golden opportunity on Saturday to play spoiler and bring some fun back into the season. So how would you describe your emotions about the game as we sit here late on a Tuesday night? Uh, good amount of trepidation, I think. Um, I, I think it's my my focus has been for the last, uh, like, I mean, I guess since the game, just trying to figure out what's what's going on with the team and trying to, trying to figure out, like, what is, like, real? Is, like, the first four games real or the last few games on offense real? Um how much has been affected by like losing some wide receivers, um, the offensive line, like the turn in their play. Like I'm more focused on that than actually, um, I guess, thinking about the game, which is kind of a, a good thing, I guess. It, I'm, I'm more caught in the minutia of it. I'm not super worried about like, you know, I, I haven't totally gotten to the point where it's like, oh, it's USC and this game has more implications than pretty much any game for me. So uh, I haven't really focused on that as much, but as you know, as we get into tomorrow and, and uh, Friday and the weekend, it's, it's, I'm start thinking about the game a lot more. You said it, this game has more implications for you specifically than any other one. And I'm sure that has to do with living in California. So what does this rivalry mean to you? Because for me, it's gone through multiple evolutions throughout my life, but ever since I moved out here back in 2021 and then Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams took over the program, my deep seated hatred for the Trojans has been restored. Uh, yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I became a Notre Dame fan, uh, for no good reason at all, other than watching them on TV. My dad loved UCLA basketball. My mom actually attended USC, which I didn't find out till I was like 12. 
Um, but she was like not into sports at all. Uh, so I chose Notre Dame just off of my own thing. I wasn't pushed uh, towards it or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's difficult, right? Like I had teachers who went to USC. I had a, 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 one of my coaches went to USC, played football there. A couple of my coaches played football there, right? Um, people from my high school went to USC. Like everything is kind of USC around uh, where I grew up. And it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal. Interestingly, like I didn't know my friends were fans of USC football really at all because when we were in high school, USC was bad. And so they didn't talk about it ever. And I was always talking about Notre Dame. And then once Pete Carroll era, that started getting going, like 02, 03, 04, 05, suddenly like they are watching all the games and they love USC. And it, it was like very annoying for me. Um, so that's that's tough. You know, I think now post Carol era, it's like that was the the height of just awfulness in terms of <laughs> dude, like, I cannot even imagine the hype and everyone is just talking about them all the time. And it was it was like really, really bad then. Now I think people have been kind of humbled by the you know, the Clay Helton, uh Steve Sarkeesian you know, Lane Kiffin there. I think people were humbled by that. Now they're just very much of the like, Hey, it's fun to be good again when they were bad for so long. So I think I get a lot more of that now. Um, but there's still a little bit, you know, there's still a little bit of that, like annoyingness of just, it's a, kind of an LA thing. And you kind of understand that you've been oh, yeah. here long enough where it's like, it always just kind of works out for no, <laughs> for no good reason, you know? It's like the Lakers. They're terrible. And it's like, oh, LeBron James is on the team. You know, like that's very frustrating. And so when it happens for USC, it's like, oh, we've managed things terribly for like a decade. And then, oh, Lincoln Riley's our coach. And look, at Caleb Williams is coming as well. Like, that's great. You know, uh, so that's that's very annoying. Uh, so, yeah, it um, my annoyance will will definitely increase uh, in the next couple of days. Honestly, I can't even imagine what it was like living in LA or living in California during the Pete Carroll era. Because when I was a kid, there was a time when the idea, the mere thought of beating USC was impossible. Like when it happened in 2010, yeah. I was so stunned that it actually happened. And obviously at that point, USC had sort of fallen off. They weren't what they had been. But credit to you, man for surviving that era and making it to today. But you're right. The fan base has certainly come back. Um, so I was, my first year out here was the last year of the Clay Helton era. So I got to saw, or I got to see a lot of people come out of the woodwork the second year. I'm like, oh, you guys are USC fans. Yep, that That's happens. interesting. That's interesting. Um, but as for the Notre Dame side of things, I don't think this is the biggest game of Marcus Freeman's head coaching career. I think that distinction goes to the Ohio State game from a few weeks ago, just given the stakes of that game at the time. We all know how that turned out, but considering everything that's happened in the time since, this feels like the most amount of pressure Marcus Freeman has been under since he took over the job at Notre Dame. So how much of an impact do you think the outcome of this game will have on his tenure here? On his tenure, um, I mean, a, pretty, a fairly big amount, just because I think, I think a lot of people are – I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I mean, souring. I mean, it, 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 a lot of people are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt right now. And that 
if they go five and three, you know, if they start out five and three, they, they were five and three last year. So you can't really say like they've made any sort of progress as a program. Um, I think people gave him, I don't want to say a pass for last year, but just people understood like the quarterback situation wasn't, wasn't ideal. Right. And, and people talked about that a lot. We talked about that a lot. And now you have Sam Hartman. Well, that obviously you don't have that excuse anymore. And so it's just, that's when it's going to start to be like, okay, we like the memes and we liked all the fun, you know, Marcus Freeman looks good in his outfits and everything. But once you go five and three, five and three, the, the heat gets turned up in, in a very different kind of way um, that we're all pretty much familiar with. Uh, but I think more than him is probably, this is without question the biggest game of Jared Parker's life, in my opinion. Now, granted, he hasn't, he's only been offensive coordinator for a short time, but this is a, this is a very big game for him. Um, USC's defense has a very poor reputation. And if you can't get over on them, then who can you get over on? You know, like this is, I think this is very important for him just from a, like it's, you know how they always say like someone, you kind of need a scalp. Like I think for him, it would just be, people are going to be like, okay, we're not going to throw Marcus Freeman away like that. Like we're not just going to be pushing for him, but people are going to want, you know, some change in that, that the call, for Jared Parker at that point would just be very, very loud. Yeah, it's almost like Marcus Freeman gets the benefit of the doubt with the offensive coordinator, given how public that search was and everything that happened there, that people are actually more willing to give Freeman a pass because it was pretty clear to everyone watching that Jared Parker was not his first choice or his second choice. For sure. Maybe even his third choice. Mm -hmm. It's just what he had to go with. Now, Parker is Freeman's guy, which definitely complicates things a little bit. But let's let's stay on Parker for a little bit because, okay. as you mentioned, he's drawn a lot of criticism over the past two games, um, really cranked up after that just flat-out abysmal performance against Louisville. Some of that is on the players for not executing, but I think it's he's more at fault because it never felt like he was doing anything to play to the strengths of his players. You've been on this for a little bit now, and you've thrown out a lot of different solutions on Twitter and on your podcast as well. So... Give me the main things you'd like to see him do more of uh, or implement against USC to have some more success. Well, I mean, we've talked about, um, yeah, I've talked a ton about play action and that sort of thing. And I think it's not that play action is like some magic elixir that's going to fix all their problems. It's not that. It's more about giving your players some help in, in opening up the passing game. Right. And, and I think that a lot of what Notre Dame is doing offensively is they are, especially in the passing game, is they are, they're, they're basically asking a wide receiving core that right now is just, I think everyone can kind of see, like they're not the greatest in terms of winning one-on-one matchups. Well, they're asking them to win one-on-one matchups. Uh, the first interception that Sam Hartman threw, right? That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fade to the field on, on, on a basically a 50-50 ball. You're just like Rico Flores, go win a one-on-one matchup. Well, is that really maximizing him, right? Is that giving him the best chance to succeed in that situation? And it, he didn't, right? Like it didn't work out for him. And there haven't been – when has Notre Dame really won a 50-50 ball this year, right? Like that hasn't been it. You throw it on first and 10 on the opening drive of the game, and it obviously it doesn't have to be an interception, but 
the chances of it being uh, like we say 50, 50 ball, but it's probably isn't right. It's probably more like 30, 70, um, you know, and opening play action that also basically stresses the defense, right? If you, especially running play action out of sets that you're also running the ball, like you're normally running the ball out of these sets, throw play action on that, like give the defense something else to think about other than, Hey, they're in this formation. They're always running in this formation. We are going to key on the run and then you give them run. Well, then they don't have to think and they're not challenged mentally, right? You want to do that. Um, you want to, I would love for them to place more emphasis on an RPO game, right? I've talked about that a ton where it's, again, it's just, if, if you don't like your box, then don't throw into it or don't run into it, right? This is prevalent of a long college football. This isn't a new thing, right? It's not something that uh, teams just started doing. Notre Dame was doing this in 2017 with Chip Long, right? So I, I would love to see them implement that where you don't, you can take advantage of a matchup on the outside. Again, Give your receiver uh, a chance to win against in a situation where they're keen on the run. Um, so things like that, right? Uh, get Jeremiah Love more involved. You know that would be great. Uh, he's he's had 24 care in the last three games. Oh, I'm sorry, against NC State, Ohio State, uh, Duke, and Louisville, he has 24 carries for 162 yards. Okay, he's at 6.8 yards per carry. That that needs to be. He needs to be getting double-digit carries there. Like, that needs to increase. He's been their second-best back all year, right? And, and the sample size is big enough now to where I think we can say that. Increase his role, give him more of a role, and, uh, and, and go from there. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Jeremiah Love is the most exciting offensive skill player when he has the ball in his hands. Like, I feel a different way when I see him carrying the ball. And Audric Esme is a better all-around back. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that Love is better than him. But when he has the ball, I get excited. I'm moving up in my chair a little bit. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, because at any moment, he could break one. And he just hasn't really had that many chances. But you're right. Notre Dame isn't getting anything going on in the outside. Uh, you tweeted out how Sam Hartman has been a lot more effective throwing it in the middle of the field as opposed to the outside, especially between 10 and 20 yards. I do think a lot of that has to do with the receiver play. And they've just been able to find more open guys across the middle, especially against Ohio State. So I'm with you on all that. I do think they're going to be able to have more success against USC. But it is kind of funny to me, and you know this too because you've been following USC for a long, like not as a fan, obviously. But yeah. when people act surprised by the fact that Alex Grinch still has a job, he's literally playing the exact style that Lincoln Riley wants. Yes, they're going to give up a ton of yards, but right. they're going to sell out to create negatives and force turnovers. And so far this year, they've been actually pretty successful in doing that. They're second in the country in TFLs with 57 Six in the country in sacks. They forced eight turnovers. And considering what I've seen from Notre Dame's offense in recent weeks, I don't think it's a given that they're just going to go out there and figure out everything against this Trojans defense, especially considering how good they are at rushing the passer. How do you think Notre Dame's offensive line is going to hold up against this defense? Because that obviously goes a long way in determining how successful the entire operation is going to be. That's the big question, right? I mean, hey, look, if, if we had, if this game was taking place in week five, we would just assume that Notre Dame was going to dominate that matchup, right? It, they should on paper, right? They're very good at the pass rush. They're not as good against the run. They're not as good up the middle, right? Their linebackers aren't as good up the middle and they're not as good, uh, you know, filling on the run as they are rushing the passer, right? And we would just assume that was going to be something that Notre Dame could do. We assumed it last year. 
when they went into that game. Now, granted, those circumstances are a little bit different at the end of the year, um, and it's on the road, and Notre Dame kind of always struggles on the road against USC. But it's 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 hard to say, right? Like, we went into the Louisville game thinking they would have a significant matchup in the middle of the field, and that didn't prove out to be the situation at all. You know, I, I don't think anyone knew going into Louisville that suddenly Billy Strouth was going to be activated and Andrew Kostovic was going to get in the game for Zeke Carell at a different point. And Billy Strouth was then going to play right guard, right? Like, so that is so much in flux. And that's the biggest question is can Notre Dame basically get over on, on a, on a defense that other teams have Arizona just ran through them. Colorado ran through them, right? They, they have been gotten by lesser offenses. Right now, it, it it's it it's hard to say. Like there's there's the negative. There's almost like a negative. Um, you know how we say matchup proof. It's almost like matchup proof, but in a negative way. It in, in that it doesn't matter how the defense is playing or how good the defense is and what the matchup could be on paper. It's that that they have struggled. Right. We we kind of waved it away against Ohio State and Duke because those are good solid defenses. Louisville isn't of that caliber. And Louisville handled them up front. And so that's the thing where it's like, I can't really say how I think it's going to work because I was I was thinking it, Notre Dame should win this easily up front last week, and they very much didn't. And so that it's just kind of an unpredictable thing. Is, is Billy Strouth going to start at guard, right? What, what, what is the Zeke Carell situation with Andrew Kostovic, right? Like That's just something that we don't know. Um, it's not a good variable to have going into a big game like this, but it, unfortunately, that is what the case is. It's so weird, especially considering our expectations for the unit going into this season. Yeah. Like, you look back at the 2021 season, that's probably the worst offensive line Notre Dame has had in the past decade or probably since the Weiss era. And at least that group, after some reshuffling at the beginning of the year, some of that due to injuries, some of that was due to poor play, they eventually figured it out for yes. the most part, and yes. finish the second half of the season strong. This is the opposite of that. They're getting worse as the season goes on, and it's really hard to wrap my head around. So I'm with you. I have no idea what to expect in that matchup because of what we saw against Louisville. Like, I thought Louisville would be disruptive, but not completely dominate. We'll be right back with Greg to talk more about Notre Dame's game against USC. But first, I wanted to tell you about Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand, and it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. The headline there is Caleb Williams, and... Last year, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he flat out embarrassed the Notre Dame defense. Now, obviously, injuries in the secondary for Notre Dame didn't help, but he was running all over them, laughing at them while he did it. And I felt like Lincoln Riley just put Al Golden in a blender last year. But schematically, this season, what changes do you expect Al Golden to try and make to try and contain Caleb? Because there's no way you're stopping him. 
Right. Um, well, I think it, it greatly helps that he has, you know, by all accounts, he has his entire secondary available to him, right? Thomas Harper's coming back. Cam Hart's going to be playing in this game. Uh, ben Morrison's there. I think Xavier Watts is playing better than he did at any point last year. Um, and then you have the safeties, you know, and they're ready to go. And the other part is, I think it, it very much helps that Marist, Leofau, and J.D. Bertrand are playing at a much higher level than they were um, last year in this matchup. And that's where that's where it needs to happen is this is this is I know, but because of the way that USC plays is that you think about the secondary matchup, but this is a front seven matchup for Notre Dame defensively. If they win up front, that is going to go a long way towards, you know, slowing them down. And the thing that you have to do in the biggest question is, because they couldn't do it last year, basically at any point, can you get Caleb Williams on the ground? You need to get him down. Uh, we've seen how many times in highlights through where it's like you, the defense wins the play. You get a good play call, the defense wins, and he's out there running around, and you can't get him on the ground, and he, and he pulls something out, and he figures out a way to win. That's how he beat Arizona last week, right? Like that, that is the thing. Can you get him on the ground? And this is where Marist can play a huge role, right? The way that he played against uh, Riley Leonard was, was very heartening because of the way that he was able to track him down, get him on the ground, uh, keep him, keep him from, you know, busting, uh, you know, a bunch of those uh, quarterback scrambles, right? Like Riley Leonard's success came on design runs, right? Well, they don't do really design runs for Caleb Williams, right? Like he's a scrambler guy and Maris win that matchup. That is the key for him. Uh, can they get something out of Jalen Sneed? You know, do they have something cooked up for him where he's going to be able to be a big factor in this game? Um, and then, of course, the weather, right? Like that will play a big role as well for Notre Dame defensively. Um, will that hurt the ball handling for USC? There's a lot of ball handling, right? They run a lot of zone read. They run a lot of uh, kind of read option where uh, you're faking in the back. Caleb Williams can run or he can flip it out to wide receiver. It's almost like a triple option action. You're just throwing it instead of pitching it backwards. But that's the, that's the key for Notre Dame. Up front, must win up front. USC makes you play with light boxes. You have to win in those light boxes. If you don't win in those, you almost have no chance. Yeah, I totally agree. And looking at it right now, I thought Arizona was able to get them on the ground a lot. I just checked. They had four sacks on Caleb Williams. If Notre Dame can't get to four sacks, and look, I think Arizona is actually a better team than people are giving them credit yeah. for. They hung tough with Washington. Now that's starting to look like less of a fluke. Still, though, it's Arizona. Notre Dame should be able to get Caleb Williams on the ground when they do get in the backfield. And we've seen so far this season that their offensive line is gettable. But when I look at this USC offense, they've got probably the deepest wide receiver room in all of college football. They might mm -hmm. not have the top-end guys that Ohio State has, but they, they're like eight or nine deep. Like, it's, it's crazy. But their running back, Marshawn Lloyd, the transfer from South Carolina, He's been terrific this year, averaging 7.7 .7 yards per carry. And they still have Austin Jones, by the way, who ran for 154 yards on Notre Dame last year. How do you think Notre Dame is going to hold up against their run game this year? Because last year it felt like for as much as Caleb Williams sort of dominated the headlines and all that, he made some unbelievable plays. The real twist of the knife came from USC's run game because Notre Dame just could not stop them especially in the red zone they could not get off the field because usc was winning in the early downs with their run game 
so, so the good news is Howard Cross is playing at a level that um, we're talking like Sheldon Day, like Trevor Laws type, uh, like Trevor Laws 07 type of performance, right? So he's playing as well as he ever has. Uh, Riley Mills has, he had a strong game again. Yeah, he had a good game against week. Louisville. Yeah, he had a very good game against Louisville. He had a very good game against Duke as well. Um, so he's trending in the in the in the right direction there get Gabriel Rubio back which also will help greatly um and again it's just you know uh J J uh Javante Jean Baptiste like it's gonna be a big game for him right it's a big game for Jordan Patelho big game for uh for um Joshua Burnham and guys coming off the edge like that's that's very important for them and uh, it's going to be a big game for Thomas Harper as well. Just like he's also in the run game. And he's going to be activated in that because they're going to be a nickel a ton. Um, but I would say Riley Mills, Howard Cross, um, you know, Gabe Rubio, um, Jason Anye. Those are those are the keys to everything. Like the running game, like I said, light boxes have to win the matchup with their guards and their center. Have to, have to. It is it is the, like the key to the game. That is what to watch for. If Notre Dame can control their running game, that goes a long way to slowing down that team because then, you know, you don't have to commit numbers, right? You don't have to drop safeties or anything like that. They can just worry about the back, and that sets up everything else for the defense. Yeah, this feels like a useful game for Jack Kaiser to get a little bit more action as well, but whenever Notre Dame is in nickel, he's rarely out there. So we'll see if Notre Dame is able to find a way to utilize him. But you did mention it. And I wasn't going to ask about it, but you know what? Let's talk about it. How much of an impact do you think the weather's going to have? Because I just looked up at the forecast. It says it's going to be a high of 56 with a 65% chance of rain, a.k.a. a typical fall day in South Bend. But I kind of go back and forth on like, oh, this definitely benefits Notre Dame, or maybe it doesn't, because obviously it's going to be more difficult for Caleb Williams to pass. But I just don't know on a turf field if it's not that windy, if it's going to have that much of an impact. But I could be wrong. So I've seen the wind around like 25 gust uh, and then between 10 and 15 miles an hour, uh, just kind of steady, which if that's the case, yeah, then whatever wetness that is more important than just it being wet. So if it's windy like that, that's a big deal. And the wetness to me is just like, it's more of a ball handling issue for them. Notre Dame doesn't do a ton of ball handling. USC does a ton. Right. They do a lot. Right. That is a major part of their offense. Uh, Lincoln Riley loves to kind of hide the ball from the defense and that sort of thing. So I think that could be a big factor in terms of the wetness. But uh, I mean, look, Caleb Williams has a very strong arm. He can cut through the wind, but it just it's a little bit of a variable there. Um, the, the weather is something to monitor throughout kind of the week, because obviously in the Midwest, things can change very quickly. Right. They can change. Uh, I mean, I mean, in the, even in the South, right, like the NC State game, there was going to be no rain uh, during the game. And then even like an hour before the game, it's like, oh, no, the, the rain's going to go away. It's not going to be around. And then during the game, it's like, nope, the wind shifted and here comes the rain and lightning and you got to wait for two hours. Right. So um, things can change very quickly there. And uh, you just kind of have to monitor that. But I would say wind, bigger factor, rain. Um, a factor in the ball handling, maybe less so than just the actual passing game. Greg and I still have more to get to about the USC game, but I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. And how does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will do more or less than their Prize Picks projection, 
you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. PrizePix adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience because you can watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. I've been playing prize picks recently, and I have no idea why I waited so long. And what I love about it is that you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals and sharks. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash college code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports, made easy. Okay, last one before we get to some predictions. Uh, and it's funny because, like, normally I wouldn't ask about special teams, but when you're going up against a Lincoln-Riley team, who uh, he just has complete, utter indifference about that aspect of the ball until Zachariah Branch came to USC, and now all of a sudden I'm looking at, at that whole thing a little bit differently. But then again, last week, USC did give up a blocked field goal on the game-winning attempt in regulation. So clearly, they have some flaws there as well. Right now, we don't know if Zachariah Branch is going to play. He's missed the last two games. But when he's out there, man, he looks like Tyreek Hill in college again. So are you expecting any trickery? Or how big of an impact do you think special teams is going to have in this game? Because last year, USC was able to pretty much eradicate Notre Dame's pump block unit by making Caleb Williams the punter. And of course, he did a pretty effective job at it, which annoyed me even more. Um, should Notre Dame, should Notre Dame, I I guess this is kind of a prediction, like should Notre Dame get to a punt, like an actual punt and not Caleb Williams, uh, doing that, uh, you know, pooch punt thing. I I think Notre Dame blocks a punt this week. That's what I think will happen. I think they've been close. I think they want to go after it. And I think that it's like mine as well, because Chris Tyree doesn't want to catch it and return it. So, um, (laughs) It's so I, I think I think that's the thing that can that can happen. Um, I don't want to see any of this. Like, well, so here's the thing, right? Here's the other part with the wind. If you're kicking against the wind uh, and you can't kick it through the end zone, I don't want Zachariah Branch getting anywhere near the ball, right? Uh, if you're kicking with the wind, then just boom it. Like, don't mess around with like, oh, we're gonna angle the kick and we're gonna like pin him deep. No, 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 no. Get it out of there. Don't let him return the. Don't let him return the ball. Right. Have a plan for that. Like kick it short. I don't care. Like just don't don't give him a chance to uh to beat you like that. Uh, but yeah, my prediction is if Notre Dame actually gets a chance to go after a punt, I think they're gonna get one this week. All right. It's documented. I wrote it down. Greg said we're gonna block a punt. Um and hell, maybe Sam Hartman can pooch punt. If that's what it takes to avoid giving the ball to Zachariah Branch, I will take it. But as we get into predictions here. I have not brought it up yet. I was floored when I saw that Notre Dame was favored. And now the line is up to two and a half on Fandel. And look, I know USC has struggled defensively, but still, they're undefeated. They've got Caleb Williams. I really, at this point, I've been trying to get myself ready to say that Notre Dame is going to win. Frankly, I'm not there yet. But give me your predictions. Give me a score. What do you think is going to happen in this game? And then we'll compare. Um, I, I just, I can't, I can't pick Notre Dame to win. Unfortunately. Um, I just, it, they're not playing well enough. There's just no real evidence to suggest that they're suddenly going to turn it around. I know USC's diff- defense isn't as good as it's been. Um, I think Notre Dame's defense can play well, but it, it just, I, I just don't see them being able to pull out this game. Unfortunately, I'm gonna go 34, 27 USC. Um, 
I've been, I've just been, I've been fooled a couple, <laughs> two times too many, two times too many. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I gotta go with the, uh, I gotta go with the team. I don't understand the the line. Maybe it's weather related. I don't know. Uh, and maybe I'm just too close to the situation. I don't know, but I just, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it. I think they're, I think USC wins this game. You bring up a good point. Maybe we're too close to it because the way that we hyper analyze everything that Notre Dame does, we could yeah. do the same with USC if we were that invested and we're watching it so closely. But unfortunately, I'm with you. Uh, I just I don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to do it. And I hope I'm wrong. But right yeah. now, I'm thinking 41 to 31, USC wins. I think that Notre Dame's defense is is going to do their best. But I mean, I just have not seen any defense be able to stop Caleb Williams and that offense for a full 60 minutes. I mean, Arizona slowed them down early and then that 17 to nothing lead went away like that. Like it was gone in a second. And yeah. it seems like no matter what the defense says for USC, every time Caleb Williams comes back out on the field, especially when it's late in the game, I just assume he's going to score. So look, we're ending it on a sour note there. We're both like the Trojans right now to win this game. Maybe as time goes by, I'll get a little bit more delusional and I'll be ready to flip my pick. But that's how I'm <laughs> feeling right now. But Greg, it's getting late. Uh, you know I appreciate the time, man. So please take this opportunity to plug everything you, you've got going on because I know it's a lot. Uh, well, the main thing is the Hit and Hustle on uh, YouTube uh, for Irish Sports Daily. You go to our YouTube channel. Uh, Hit and Hustle's there. We're doing live shows. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday, post-game show is on uh, right after the game. And then I do a morning after recap show uh, Sundays, uh, 930 Eastern, 630 Pacific time. Uh, I've got a single high podcast uh, for uhnd.com with Frank Bitovich. And we also have, uh, me and my friend, uh, we've done a untitled Notre Dame USC football podcast for the last like six or seven years. I mean, that's the one that I've been doing for the longest. Um, and so I like to keep it up. It's one of my best friends and we talk about it and that comes out, uh, but once a week we're having, we have two this week cause it's, you know, it's, it's the, uh, week. it's the rivalry week. So, uh, that's what we got going on. All right, man. Well, take care. Enjoy the game on Saturday. I'm sure I'm going to be texting you during it, and uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit more enjoyable than the past couple weeks. For sure, for sure. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Love to do it. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. For the everyday listeners out there, we got a lot more USC preview content the rest of the way. Plus, I'm going to have another guest on tomorrow to talk about where Notre Dame is at right now, how they can improve, and what all of this means for Marcus Freeman and his tenure. Remember, subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast and follow us on social media. Twitter is at Irish. Instagram is at Pod, And my personal Twitter account is at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Same time, same place tomorrow. I'll see you then.